Mickey and Marotta mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bigly Blast. Much of this football season has been an indictment of Cliff Screensberry, the head coach entering the most crucial three-game stretch of his career. The Seahawks are another matter. They are the football team that exposes general manager Steve Keim and the Cardinals' terrible, pitiful, awful draft record for most of his tenure. And that's because the Seahawks are getting a ton from their current rookie class, while the Cardinals are getting next to nothing. The Seahawks have the offensive and defensive rookies of the month and they have the most total rookie snaps in football. The Cardinals rank 31st about 2,000 snaps below Seattle. 2,000! Which means perceptually the Seahawks have the future and the foundation. Their culture and their systems launched the rebirth of Geno Smith. In one year they fixed a perennially porous offensive line with the draft. They are among the Cinderella stories in the NFL and maybe they're the team that should be featured on Hard Knocks. For all of those reasons and more, the Cardinals have to win this game. Whether it's Kyler Murray having an MVP kind of day or Isaiah Simmons blowing up an entire game like Lawrence Taylor once did, they have to get the W on Sunday because there is no coming back from 3-6. and six. That is a mountain too high to climb, especially for this team. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury affordable. They've got two great locations, and you can find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. I will never not smirk or even giggle or laugh at uh, Screensbury. I think that's, I think that's funny. <laughs> and again, that's not my line. That's tubing at tubing Tyler. Yes. He came up with that, and it was I saw that, and I'm like, wow, that's you've just, good. You've just commissioned it for your I years. did. Yeah, I did. Um, we were talking earlier about our viewing habits for television and you said you're not a two-screen guy. And I, it popped into my head there. It was like Cliff Kingsbury's like, two? Give, two me give me five. We should have known from that if famous viral draft picture he had like eight screens going in that picture. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Sorry. I had to somebody take, somebody said shot. he should really get an endorsement for a screen door company. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hi, everybody. Um, you're right. I mean, this stretch for the Cardinals, it begins... <laughs> It wouldn't be good because their screens don't work. <laughs> they just open a little bit. Only the cat can get out. <laughs> That's right. So let's get into the rookies and their contributions in this particular thing. It is quite profound what this rookie class for the Seahawks have been able to do. Yeah. They've drafted two offensive linemen with some of the picks they received. Mm-hmm. Both are starting. They've got both have played 100% of the snaps. Right. Kenneth Walker, who's killing it at running back. Tariq Woolen, who's killing it in the secondary. Kobe Bryant, killing it in the secondary. Mafe has been decent as, mm-hmm. a, as a rotation player on the edge. Yep. Uh, we were talking about this earlier, and then uh, lo and behold, Mike Jarecki. Text me the information. Thanks, MJ. Mike Jarecki. Combined offensive and defensive snaps for rookies through eight weeks. Seahawks, number one, 2,359 snaps. Cardinals, number 31, 303 snaps. Ahead of only the Eagles. 2,000 rookie snaps in the span of eight games, Vinny. Yeah. 
So they have seven <laughs> times as many rookie snaps as the Cardinals do. But the Eagles' excuse for not playing rookies is they're eight no <laughs> the best team in the NFL. They don't need their rookies. <laughs> That's right. So this is kind of and and again this is kind of this was the year that the that the Seahawks were supposed to be most assuredly below the Arizona Cardinals, not above them, not the team with the better future. Yeah, but it's frustrating too because you know it, it is coming around a little bit. The rookie snaps are starting to grow. But this this was a team again at the beginning of the season. They waived Devon Kennard. They brought him back to the practice squad. There was like three weeks of he's on the practice squad. He's elevated. Practice squad elevated. Devon Kennard and I even talked about it in real time. Like why are they treating a veteran this way? Was it because the rookies weren't able to play? Because they got nothing from Devon Kennard and he's now gone. And then as soon as they leaned on my Jay Sanders and Cameron Thomas a little bit, those guys delivered. Had a sack in the same game, and I think it, I think it was actually the, the Seattle game. Um, it, I, that's only one of the issues. There's so many issues with this team right now. Um, you know, management, clock management, operational management mm-hmm. during during games has left a lot to be desired. And when you're going into Week Nine, and that's still a concern. You just don't know if that's something that you, you, you flip a switch and it's all smooth. If the operation has all these kinks in it, how do you get those out? And, and that's what they're still wondering. The we got a mentality for the yeah. Arizona Cardinals is still very prevalent and is frustrating. They've got to, you know, it's funny because when we cover playoff basketball and a team is down in a series, very, very, very frequently the team that's down in the series will come back and either win or play really well and it will be attributed to desperation. Mm-hmm. The more desperate team always seems to have an advantage in basketball. Does a more desperate team have an advantage in football and will that show up on the field? this Sunday because I'm sure the Seahawks are hungry at five and three and I'm sure the Seahawks are really kind of vibing on the kind of season they're having that how magical it's been but at the same time they're not desperate for a win and I would think the Cardinals would surely be desperate for a win yeah it's interesting you bring up the comparisons desperation exists in all sports we get it um your basketball the flow of it lends itself for a, a desperate team with all the possessions you're getting for a chance to really sway things. It's much harder in football. What I want to see the Cardinals do, Bick, this week, uh, and, and really for the first time all year, we talked about the offensive struggles, putting points on the board in the, in the first quarter. They have not scored a touchdown in the first quarter all year. An early double-digit lead in a game... I think would go so far into just taking oh, yeah. the weight off this, oh, this offense's shoulders, take the weight off of Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury as a play caller. We saw it last year when this team got off to a 7 nothing start. A lot of it had to do with getting off to those good starts and having that comfort and flexibility play calling wise to do the right things. And, um, you know, I think you've used the term when you're chasing like that, it's always you're always trying to dial up the perfect thing. And it hasn't worked for the Cardinals because they have not played with a lead. Again, that stat that came out earlier this week, trailing in 91% of the of the playing time yeah. this year. Yeah. That's that's almost unheard of. It really is. It and it's and it's really kind of part of the the slow start that has plagued this team. That's one thing this team has has been very very consistent on. Their refusal to score first quarter touchdowns. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. 
And, and you know, that's that's something <laughs> that's going to have to change. You need to get out ahead of these football games. We've we've seen the Cardinals been be very, very good when they've got that comfort zone and when they can really kind of focus on the balance. When it's, There's an old saying in football that it, if you can't run the football, you have to keep trying. No matter no matter how futile it seems, mm-hmm. and it's the Cardinals are able to get to lock into that kind of mindset if they're ahead, and it's if they're chasing a game, it is a fire drill. You well, guys have pointed out over and over that if anything puts them off schedule, whether it's penalties, whether it's falling behind early, yeah, when they're put off schedule, they just are lost. Yeah, it's that that along with the the being put off schedule and then seeing the sequence of plays that happen after that, including a give up play on third and long, it's one of my pet peeves, along with the burnt timeouts and the play clock and all that stuff. It's one of my pet peeves of this offense is just that. One little one little fork in the road, and that, that drive is done. Adversity has been very cruel Oof. to the Cardinals this yeah. year. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins, Jane's Addiction, coming to Footprint Center for the Spirits on Fire Tour, November 18th. Head to the contest page now at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. Coming up next, Suns back on the court tonight looking for another win against the Portland Trailblazers, and they've got help coming back to the lineup. It seems that way. We'll get into it next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Really, I mean, guys that you know, put the work in, our st- all these staffs around the league, they're, they're vast in how they can help guys get back on the floor, keep guys healthy, whatever the case may be. So I'm not surprised nor am I like you know anything it's just just the way just where we live uh, but we, we we don't have a definitive clear-cut uh, answer as to whether or not he's going to play tomorrow he did go through a full practice it's Monty Williams head coach of the Suns yesterday with the update on DeAndre Ayton who's missed about a week with an ankle injury did have the full practice as you heard Monty say yesterday could be back on the floor tonight listed as probable Maybe it's tomorrow because the Suns do have back-to-back games against the Portland Trailblazers. But no kudos to the Suns. First injury adversity they faced this year, Vic. Mm-hmm. And they came through it really, really well, having yeah. to rely on Bismack Biombo, who wasn't playing a ton when DeAndre Ayton was healthy. Yeah, and and I think they they really showed to be a, a, an interesting combination, and and nothing has thrown this basketball team off its mark yet. It, it's the only thing that threw this basketball team off its mark was Damian Lillard getting into DeAndre Ayton's ear at the free throw line, mm-hmm. and so we'll be curious to see what happens now tonight when these two teams get back at it. It's very much the Suns' nature to kind of settle scores. But like I said earlier, the vibe about this team to me has been very fascinating because. What what I think I see, and I don't know it to be true, is a team that that knows they've got a score to settle, but they're smart enough now to not broadcast it all the time, every day with 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 an excess of all the other stuff. It, it, they might have had a swagger problem. Shut up, Jared. They might have had a swagger problem last year. Swagger problem. They good might name have. for That's a band. That too. is a good name yeah, for a band. I like that too. They might have not not necessarily a profound one, but yeah. they might have had a little bit of a swagger problem. Oh, it's. Yeah. <laughs> We reveled in it at the time, and the Minnesota game comes to mind when Carl Anthony Towns got into Jay Crowder's face, started pointing at his head, we're in your head, and the Suns flipped a switch and and annihilated the T-Wolves at that point. 
Then there was, you know, the playoff stuff, the working out, you know, in the, in the bowels of the arena that was broadcast. I agree with you. It might have been a little bit of a swagger problem. The pregame stuff with JaVale McGee, we all loved it at the time. People took notice. They, they kept receipts on that stuff. Now, Devin Booker was asked, hey, you guys lost one game this year. It was to Portland, and you're looking to avenge that. <laughs> Win every game. You know, I know we try to create something for every game to find a motivation, and obviously that's something that we see that you know, it's the only team we've lost to this season, but you know, we have them back-to-back nights, and you know, we're just going to take them one by one and try to play the basketball every day. Yeah, not broadcasting it is key, because you heard the beginning of that soundbite from Devin Booker, Vic. He says, yeah, we're trying to win every game. If that's your philosophy, if that's your mentality and goal, that's not broadcasting. Hey, certain games stand out more to us than others. Yeah, right. If you're just you know consistent throughout, you don't have to worry about the, the reaction from teams. And, yeah. And, and we saw that well, actually rear its ugly head last year. Well, and again, I think here's what here's one of the things that's happening here that I kind of like. It's the Suns. By the end of last year, they had completely been emasculated, eliminated. All of that stuff. And, and they're having to wear it, and there's a lot of embarrassment. There's a lot of people who have taken shots at them and made fun of them. The team is very aware of that because they're basketball players. And that kind of stuff, trash talking, all of that, it's the currency of the game. It's part of it. And and so instead of kind of running from that and then becoming a team that isn't trying hard to win games, they're kind of embracing this. And it took them two weeks to get back to to where they were for most of last regular season, and that would be at the top of the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. And now what you're seeing with the teams that struggle, that were supposed to be at the top of the Western Conference, they're all the teams that are not making excuses, but they're like Tyron Lue calling, ah, the Suns are decent, they're, they're a better team than we are right, right now. now. <laughs> and then Steve Kerr, well, they're pretty buttoned up, and we're not quite there yet. I mean, that's like saying, yeah, you look great. For your age. For your age. <laughs> and yet both those teams, when they played the Suns, were coming at the Suns very hard. Yes. So it's it's really it's really just nonsense excuses from them. But it's it's hard for the Suns to negate that based on what happened in last year's postseason. There's still people, even though I really like the vibe of this team, because I think they're more hard, harder edged. I think the players are more jaded in a good way. I think Monty's taking a tougher stance with them. I think I think everything about them is better. They're, they're more emotionally mature. And I think this team really needed it. I've had a lot of people clap back at me and say, dude, they're still going to get smoked in the postseason. This is going to follow them around all year long. And it's yeah. and, and I think they're smart enough to know it. I think so. And say, this is not our, we're going to do what we do, and we're going to tee it up again in the postseason, and we'll see what happens. Remember, this even started to creep into the seven seconds or less Suns, where at a certain point, they were like, all right, yeah, they're really exciting, they're really explosive, they win a lot of games in the regular season, but once the playoffs start, and it's a different brand of basketball, they're not going to win, and they never did. Yeah, that's true. Um, Last year... Right around New Year's is when Bismack Biombo came in. And that was, a lot of it had to do mm-hmm. with necessity. You know, you had DeAndre Ayton, you had JaVale McGee, you had Bismack Biombo out of necessity because the Suns, like a lot of the league, were dealing with the heights of COVID absences. Mm-hmm. And Bismack paid dividends. And last year, one of the strengths we talked about, the big upgrades after the team that went to the finals was they're so much better at the five position. And now you see it. Yeah. They might even be better this year at the five position than they were last year. In the regular season. In the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, Jock Landale has been great, but I agree. I, I, mean, I, I, you know, and I'm a big DeAndre Ayton believer, obviously. 
But to have Bismack as that third guy still remains a luxury that a lot of teams don't have. And he can play minutes in the in the postseason. If we're going to fast forward that far, I, he can do yeah, it. Yeah, I don't want to sound stereotypical when I say this, but when when people look at Jock Landale and say, "Yeah, that's that's a that 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 is your typical um, kind of player who's going to do well in a, in a in a offensive minded, free willing system in the regular season," as they pointed out in the broadcast, Australian basketball players they come from a from a from an athletic culture that demands toughness. Mm-hmm. So Australian basketball players, for the most part, not to sound stereotypical, they've got a t- you, you you can't knock them off their mark. You can't get in their head. So they even though they're not even if they're not the biggest guys physically, they're going to play with a certain mindset that's tough. Mm-hmm. You agree with that? I do. Okay. Absolutely. And uh, although, you know, Landale has played uh, 121 minutes this year, DeAndre Ayton, even through the injuries, played 130 minutes this year. Jock Landale, and it's not a, a very coveted stat anymore, but about being hard-nosed, six block shots, DeAndre Ayton's blocked two. Wow. Now, they're all looking at the Bismack, who's got 11. Yeah. <laughs> one. He's got 11? Yeah. It's interesting that when... Ayton when his last two games. It's interesting when Ayton went out that they put... Biombo in the starting lineup and gave him his minutes essentially and just kept Landell in the same role. That was smart, don't you think? I think it worked out they great. Kept, they yeah. kept who in the same role? Jock. What, what's his last name? <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't have an Australian accent, so I couldn't give it an accurate name. But uh, the no, they didn't want to disrupt that second unit, which I agree with. Big was a smart move, but it's amazing that somebody like Big Smack Biombo can just <laughs> Big Smack Biombo, as you said. Could essentially not play the entire year and then step into a starting role and and be great. Yeah, this is a, it's still a very good basketball team. Well, we get uh, two more home games on this homestand before they hit the road, both against Portland tonight and tomorrow night. Tonight's game, six thirty pregame on the Arizona Sports app in ninety eight seven. You can text your thoughts also to the FanDuel text line. It's open at six twenty six twenty right now. Can the Sun Devils make it two in a row? They got another ranked opponent coming to town in UCLA. We will talk to their head coach Sean Aguano next. Typically a Murata mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. This is the Santan Ford Sun Devil Blitz, presented in part by Kilo River Resorts and Casinos, Arizona State's official sports headquarters, and Santan Ford. We are Santan Ford. Sun Devils went on the road to Boulder. They knocked off Colorado, coming home to face a good UCLA team tomorrow at Sun Devil Stadium. And it's time now for our weekly visit with the head coach of the Devils, Sean Iguana, who joins us here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Coach, good morning to you. Good morning, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Uh, when we talked last week, you had not named your starting quarterback for the Colorado game. You went with Trenton Borgay. Uh, I would say that the results were pretty good, coupled with you, uh, you know, making the change to, to call plays during that game. Now that you've had some time to, to go over uh, what went, ha- what happened in in Boulder, how satisfied were you with everything? I thought the kids played well. I think Trenton uh, managed the game real well. You know, he anticipated his throws, went through progressions and reads, but uh, overall, he led the team in a, in a, a positive manner. I, what, one thing about Trenton Borgay, coach, that really stands out and really stood out in that Colorado game, in the passing game, was just how different the timing of everything looked. Uh, he was on time delivering balls. Yes, he had a lot of receivers running wide open, but uh, his timing on delivery, would you say that's one of his biggest strengths or his biggest strength as a quarterback? 
Absolutely. I think that comes from his preparation and understanding the offense. Uh, we tried to move an up-tempo offense against them, uh, and it worked. Uh, try to keep them off balance with the pass and the run. But uh, I thought Trenton did a great job just delivering the ball and anticipating where his receivers were going to be. Now, your tight ends blew up over the weekend in a good way, and this is something that really hadn't been a staple in the offense. Was that situational or was that philosophical? I think uh, I think both. I think philosophically, I think uh, they were underutilized. But at the same time, I think Trenton went through a progression that uh, a lot of them were check down routes. Uh, some were over the middle because they're playing that too high defense. But uh, I think uh, it was both. Talking with Sean Aguano, the uh, head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils. Here on Arizona Sports, another player that's really, really ascended this year is Elijah Badger, and we've talked about him before, but you know this was a program, and you're well aware of it, that was looking for a, a go-to receiver in the passing game for the last couple years. You know, after Brandon Ayuk left, and Elijah Badger has become that guy. Can you can you talk more on his individual growth, coach? I think his maturity, uh, his understanding of the playbook, and then his overall intensity at practice has improved a, a ton. Uh, he kind of right, reminds me of Brandon Ayuk. Uh, um, you know that he was a first round draft pick but uh, I think Badger has a little ways to go just from a maturity standpoint and understanding um, what is asked of him but uh, he's, he's an incredible athlete Alright let's talk about this opportunity here you've got a prime time kickoff time under the lights you've got UCLA that's averaging nearly 40 points a game you got you matching wits with Ch- Chip Kelly tell us about this opportunity for the program this weekend I think it's a great opportunity. Chip Kelly is a great coach. Um, our defense uh, um, didn't have their best game against Colorado, but we're going to have to play great in all three phases. Um, but it's a great opportunity, and that's our theme of, for the week is our opportunity knock. And so we'll take advantage of, of uh, the home crowd advantage and, and the Sun Devil fans and, uh, and hopefully pull out a win. I wanted to go back to the quarterback position, if I could. Again, uh, the decision that was made last week, you change quarterbacks, you go with Trenton Bourget. And Emory Jones, when, when healthy, had been your starter, a very experienced player in college football. How did Hem- Emory uh, handle that decision uh, that you made, Coach? You know, I, I think it's hard for uh, for uh, players to handle that decision. And, you know, I, I think it happened to him in, in Florida. But um, I thought Trenton gave us the best chance to win just from his preparation uh, in that open competition last week. And so we went with Trenton and and, uh, he delivered. All right. When you take a look at at going forward, what else do you see that uh, that are points of emphasis for Saturday night, coach? You know, make sure uh, from a ball security standpoint, we take care of the ball. Um, try not to uh, be in the uh, chasing the chains and try to stay ahead of the chains. And then playing good, aggressive uh, football, trying to stop uh, their quarterback, DTR, and their running back. And so if we stop their running game, I think uh, we'll have a great chance at the end. Uh, all right. The great Doug Tamro points out that you got to spend some quality time with Jake Plummer. He told said that you got to, you know, pick his brain a little bit, have a good conversation with him. Did he hook you up with any mushrooms, Coach? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> no, he did not. <laughs> no, he did not. He talked about his farm and uh-huh. you know, his philosophy. He's just a great guy to have breakfast with. But uh, no, he did not. I think he's going to be down here this week uh, at the game. But uh, it was a great conversation for about an hour at breakfast. Very cool. Sean Aguano, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. You mentioned it, um, you know, going into the Colorado game, they had a, a struggling offense. Not the best game for the defense is, is how you put it. 
Um, how is the defense, you know, it's, it's good to have those games and still come away with the win, but how has the defense as a unit come together this week and responded to what was not their best game in your mind? You know, I think they just gave up the big plays uh, at inopportune times. But I think overall, you know, they've been running to the football, playing good team defense. They understand the emphasis of stopping the run this week. So um, I thought they had a great practice on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. All right, I want to go back to the Jake Plummer thing momentarily because you've uh, every program talks about the importance of reconnecting with alumni. And, and we know how this goes. When, when, when seasons grow dim, they can drift away. How important it is to have... Uh, famous alumni connected to sort of make a program feel whole, to make a program feel bigger than just one football team. Absolutely. You know, the, the pride of the, the name across the front of the jersey, that Sun Devil pride, uh, goes into all of the uh, former athletes. And I want to make sure that they feel at home in the facility, at games, and at practice, because our kids need them and, and, and see them as role models and, and legends in their time. So I think it's very important for them to come back and, and share uh, their stories with our kids. Sean Iguano, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, our guest on Fridays here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Uh, health-wise, going into the UCLA game, what, what does that look like for, for the Sun Devils? We're pretty healthy. I think, you know, there's, there's nicks and bruises on everybody, but I think we're, we're pretty healthy. Mentally, we're healthy, and so um, I think we're going to uh, be ready to play on Saturday. Uh, Ladarius Henderson specifically, will, will he be available? No, he's he's still uh, out for another week uh, because of his surgery, but uh, he should be back next week. Gotcha. Coach, uh, as always, thanks for the time and the insight. Uh, Congratulations on that Colorado win, and best of luck against UCLA. We'll talk to you next Friday. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Thanks, you too. Sean Aguano, head coach of the Sun Devils, joins us. For the Sun Devil Blitz every Friday, uh, as we talk. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big opportunity, it, Vinny. Seven thirty p.m. You know, sometimes you get those afternoon kickoffs, and you're like, eh, "This is this is this is a chance." Yeah, and look, it's undeniable uh, the difference in what we've seen in offensive production with Trenton Borgay at quarterback, as opposed to Emory Jones. That's not a knock on Emory Jones. Um, and you know, Borgay came in against a ranked team when Jones got hurt against Washington, and that's when this whole thing kind of mm-hmm. started. So another, I, I think UCLA is a far better team than Washington, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So this is a huge challenge, but well, it's also a huge opportunity. It is, and perceptually, this is the biggest game for Sean Aguano because the the dramatic move of naming naming himself play caller it had immediate impact, as you pointed out. It was against a lesser opponent. This is a great opportunity. You heard uh, recently about how ASU is only focusing on Sean Aguano right now. You hope that's not true because there was there's and no, that's not a knock to, to Sean. No, there's no sense in firing Herm Edwards when you did if you're going to wait to the end of the season to begin a search. You begin the search now, you talk to a bunch of outside candidates, and then you weigh what they have to say. Then when the season's over, you talk to Sean Aguano, and you you, you take his results plus his, his vision, and you match it up against the big-name coaches, hopefully, that you've already reached out to and talked to, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That would seem to be uh, with the way a smart program would do it. But by the way, today is uh, Herm's first day on his new job. He's back on ESPN today. Good for him. <laughs> Good for he her. Paid, he paid his He did. He his paid debt. his penance, man. Absolutely. How long has he been out? Uh, since September. <laughs> yeah, <no>, right. <laughs> uh, thanks again to Sean Aguana for joining us. Coming up next, more on the Cardinals-Seahawks matchup, focusing on the Cardinals' defense against this high-powered Seahawks offense. That and more straight ahead. Bickley and Murata mornings on this football Friday. It's Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Sold. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Just have to execute at a higher level, like I talked about on the road. You know, loud environment, communication, getting in and out of the huddle, meeting the play call in faster. Um, group effort that, that has to be better. Now the coach tells the quarterback what to run on every play. They somehow still can't snap the ball. I don't know what to say. Kyler wears a wristband. They huddle for the first time. They still keep wasting TOs. Cliff yells from the sideline. Marie don't like it. Calm the F down. Calm the F down. Marie don't like it. Calm the F down. Calm the F down. We're in the middle of year four. And they can't communicate. They keep giving excuses. Why things aren't going great. They give credit to the defense on why they're starting slow. Why they can't score easily, I will never know. And every single game, Cliff will scream and shout. Why the play clock's running, ay, ay, out. Murray don't like it. Calm the F down, calm the F down. Murray don't like it. Calm the F down, calm the F down. All in all, Jared Carlin, I would say one of your stronger efforts. Oh, yeah, thank I like you. It a lot. Yeah, yeah. It was one of your stronger efforts. Thank you. I was trying to figure out who Marie was, but then it kind of <laughs> dawned on me. Well, I tried to I, no, know, I get it. use the I, same case. Kyler Murray. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that was, was uh, that was, was well it. done. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Big game for the birds this I, week. I wish Big. my mic was on because I was going to add the ah! yes. scream, but no, it, okay. was, it wasn't on. Next time, next yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> you can do the same game. song next week. <laughs> uh, we'll start there uh, since communication is still at the heart of it. Kyler Murray this week talking about using the wristband. Yeah, I haven't done that since probably. Uh, I think I did at A and M. I think I did at A and M, but. Uh, yeah, it was, it was. I mean, it's a big ass wristband. I was, it took up half my arm, so uh, um, it was definitely. You know, once you get in the game, it wasn't any, you know, any different. But I didn't feel, you know, it kind of. I didn't feel too great about it the week leading up to the week. Uh, then, so what uh, is it? Doesn't that just make it even more? Yeah. Ridiculous. And then on why he wore it. Just because it was loud and just you know, yeah, with the huddle, be able to communicate and stuff like that. All right. So I mean, this is only a road thing then. Is, is he not wearing it? This is he going to wear the big ass wristband? I, I got it. Wearing the wristband. I, I, wearing right. the wristband. A lot of people might know this. I got an email from somebody asking what, how exactly does that work? I guess we shouldn't assume everybody understands the technica- technicalities of football. Most NFL operations work. The head coach will spit out the verbiage of a play. Yes. The quarterback will go, okay, I know that, and the quarterback will repeat that verbiage, basically. It, it verbatim, mm-hmm. and then the uh, then everybody in the huddle goes, "Oh yeah, got it." And it, it, the problem with these two guys is something gets wonky. 
in that. So the wristband will have all the verbiage, but the the head coach, all he has to do is say A, B, C, D, or one, two, three, whatever number or letter is corresponded to the play. So it just so it's not nothing gets lost oh, in translation. See, I thought it was because the play wasn't getting in in time, and the microphone would cut off. Maybe that's, Maybe, it that's too. It too. Maybe that's it too. So that's basically how. But, but the fact that it was not just a wristband, but a big ass wristband. It's a lot of plays. It's a lot. <laughs> a lot of screen passes on he that said card. He took up half my arm. It's just so, funny so that clearly that. it was caught. So it was pro- clearly causing surus for Kyler Murray. Oh my god, Kyler Murray, as Jared would call him, surus. Wow, Murray Good. don't Good. like it. He doesn't Good. like it. Good Yiddish Calm drop there. The f down. <laughs> <laughs> it's catcher. Right? It'll be in your head all day. Yeah. So, yeah. but it, it's funny that he was like, I haven't done that since Texas. He couldn't even remember when he last did it. <laughs> the, the the huddling. They both said they've never done before. <laughs> Yeah. It's like they're in the middle of year four. They're trying all this brand new crazy stuff. And I guess, and I guess you have to give them credit for trying yeah, that's something. True. Yep. But this is just so basic. It's like if this was midway through year one, you'd totally go, oh, I get it. Look, this Cliff, is what you do. A few weeks ago, Cliff Kingsbury, on the subject of play calling and seeding play calling duties, said, I will do anything to win football games. They're proving that. Big ass wristbands, huddling. Yeah. What's next? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's next. Uh, Think uh, the wing T. <laughs> <laughs> Defensively, Vance Joseph, the uh, coordinator for the Cardinals defense, spoke yesterday. Talked about hey, things. Uh, you know, you, you lost to this team a few weeks ago. Is the game plan the same? Anything different? They have changed. You know, in, in the last three weeks, they've changed. They're playing better defense, obviously. So, I think Coach Carroll's you know plan of playing good D running the football and not turning the ball over is it, definitely in effect and you can see his print on that team so first time we played him it was, it was a lot more you know uh, taking shots and being aggressive in the pass game but now the last two weeks it's been more run game it's been more two tight ends and uh, 13 personnel sets and uh, more walker you know than pass game so they're definitely different than uh, what we saw the first time and teams do evolve you know and it, it, it happens uh, each week you know so um, we'll see what happens on Sunday, but they are definitely different than they were the first time we faced them. Yeah, since uh, week three, the Seattle Seahawks uh, in games played since then, 31 points per game, first in the NFL. They're number two in that span in uh, rushing yards per attempt. Number two in passer rating with uh, Geno Smith. Number three in completion percentage. Fourth in net yards per game and sixth in rushing yards. This is a good offense. Mm -hmm. Um, About Kenneth Walker, the rookie running back who took over after Rashad Penny got injured. He has lit the league on fire. Here was Joseph on him. Trust my evaluation, right? <laughs> he was a special back, and he is. I mean, and obviously the more he plays, the better he looks. And every game he's making, he's making, uh, you know, runs that that that's special. I mean, he's making guys miss. He's breaking tackles with his quickness and with his power in his legs. He's catching the ball better. So watching this kid early on, I knew he was going to be a good player, but boy, he's coming on fast. And every game he's making in a game changing play. Yeah, uh, it's it's a different looking team, and, mm-hmm. and we talked about the changes on the defensive side of the ball the Seahawks have made since Week Six. Also, Bick, they're top uh, seven in the league in points per game, rushing yards per attempt, passer rating, net yards per game, completion percentage, rushing yards per game, and third down efficiency defensively. So 
they got the confidence boost we thought the Cardinals would get the first time around yeah. in the matchup with these two yeah, teams. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. And so, uh, but but again, I think I think it's really incumbent now on the Cardinals to do what they do. It's it's there's not a lot of holes on defense, but that's okay because again, w- with all due respect, the Cardinals' offense has not shown themselves to be adept at targeting a team's weakness and tailoring a game plan at doing just that. So it doesn't matter if if a t- if a defense is a glaring hole here or not. It's it's really about the Cardinals executing the plays they're going to call because they're they don't seem to be you know game plan specific for an individual opponent. Uh, but I do think that they did that their running game. That's where it's all going to start for the Cardinals. If if they're going to pull this thing off, they need to kind of keep that thing under control. You need to keep Kenneth Walker under control. Yep, they do. Uh, and and the Giants actually did a, pre- a pretty decent job of bottling him up last week, but uh, the Seahawks just had too much for the Giants. Mm-hmm. They're, they're rolling right now. Uh, we'll have more on the Cardinals-Seahawks matchup as we roll along. We'll also get into some social studies when we dive into our Twitter account at Pickley underscore Murata. That's next. It's Pickley and Murata mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.